You're listening to the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast, and I'm your host, Hannah Bowers. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast. I hope that wherever you are, it's warm and sunny, which is not what it's like where I'm at right now. Uh, But today I'm really excited to be sitting down with Sarah. She is a functional nutritionist with just a deep, deep understanding of hormones and uh, cycles and, you know, all the things that we talk about on this show. That's what we're going to talk about with Sarah today. And um, welcome. I'm just so thrilled that you take a few minutes just to chat with us. Yes. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much. So you're a functional nutritional therapist, correct? Do you mind telling us a little bit more about that, about how you landed there and, um, what, what made you fall in love with that, that approach to health and wellness? Yeah, absolutely. So health and wellness was sort of like in the background of my life growing up big time. I always like tell people, you know, growing up, nobody wanted to come to our house to eat food, like (laughs) come over after school for snacks. My house as well. (laughs) (laughs) My mom had the garden and, you know, we just like ate really healthy growing up. So it's sort of always the background of my life, but it really wasn't until I was in college actually that I showed any sort of interest in it. I started Mm -hmm. to take some dietetics courses and, you know, courses on nutrition. And I just had a fascination with food and using food to heal. And so after I I did my undergrad in journalism and completed my undergrad, was working in like very corporate America, Chicago in a big public relations firm. Uh, My first client, like straight out of college was Orida microwave frozen French fries. And yeah, (laughs) which was like totally against my value system. And I remember like calling, you know, a newspaper editor to see if they'd like write a story about this. And she reamed me. She was like, we know we will not write a story. This is like not what kids should be eating or anybody else. And I was like, I agree with you. You (laughs) This is just my job. Um, But anyways, I was like, what am I doing? I, I, this is so not in alignment with my value system. And so I did a Google search and this was back in 2004 where like holistic nutritionist or functional nutritionist, like those terms weren't really buzzwords at all, much less like really Mm -hmm. existed. And, um, and so anyways, at the time there was like three nutrition schools, uh, one in New York, one in Colorado and one in in California. And I'm from Colorado, from Colorado originally. So I moved back home. I enrolled in a graduate program at the Nutrition Therapy Institute. And like, I was like, oh my God, this is my calling. It's like just, you know, enthralled with learning about how to use food and lifestyle and nutrients and just like shifting and changing the body Mm -hmm. to heal. Um, And then at the time I was having a bit of my own like hormonal, you know, 22 year old issues and uh, 23. And so I really dove into like, how to heal your reproductive system. And at the time I wasn't trying to get pregnant by any means. I was, you know, my early twenties, but I thought like, if I was, I definitely would have had trouble getting pregnant. And I knew I wanted a family someday. And so I really dove into the research around fertility and how to increase fertility naturally. And so when I got done with school, I worked at an integrative fertility center on Chicago for a few years. And then I launched my private practice. And now I've been in private practice for almost 15 years, um, working primarily with women and couples in the fertility realm, pregnancy, postpartum, and then many, many women who are not trying to get pregnant or done trying to get pregnant um, and are just trying to heal their hormones and, you know, get their hormones 
back on track, back in check. Mm, well, that's awesome. Here I am today. Yeah, well, I think it's amazing, you know, that journey of, you know, almost having to step out and discover, oh, hey, I, I don't align with these other values just to come back home a little bit. And I feel that too, growing up, it sounds like maybe some similarities there. <laughs> we we did not keep fun, yummy snacks at home. My mom made totally. everything and she did a really good job at it. But um, that was, it's been a huge piece for myself as well. And, you know, like planting yeah. those seeds where later when they blossom, it just turns into something amazing. Exactly. Yeah shows how the power of food when they're little really mm-hmm. makes a difference. Even when you're like, don't think it's going, I have a two and a half year old and I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, like I, I thought it'd be so easy to feed him what I want him to eat, you know? And I'm like, you know, it all will come full circle when it's meant to. It's true. So true. Yeah. Well, today I know we've talked about, we're going to just kind of dive into implantation. Um, I feel like this is a topic, a buzzword that really pops up in my Facebook community. I see mm-hmm. it on Instagram all the time. And it's one of those things where everybody wants to know what can we do to support implantation? So would you mind just starting there, break it down for us? What are totally. some of the best things to do for that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I think first starting with like what implantation is. Cause I think that if we get a little confused and I see this a lot in my private practice and same and like my, you know, kind of um, community is that implantation is actually when the, when the egg and the sperm have already met, you know, and it's the egg has already been fertilized and now it's like attaching into your uterine lining and really like getting cozy and comfy in there. So mm-hmm. that's implantation. And it really, you know, it doesn't occur until about seven to 10 days after conception has occurred because it takes that long for the egg to travel down the fallopian tubes and like into the uterus to actually implant. Um, So the thing about implantation is that like it truly does require what I always say like our perfect conditions, right? Like first we need a genetically normal, healthy embryo. That's like step one. Mm -hmm. And then step two is we need a uterine lining that's receptive, that's sticky enough, that's thick enough. And, you know, like I always think of like a big shag carpet, you know, like super thick and sticky that that little embryo is going to be able to nestle into and and embed and implant successfully. Um, One of the most important, you know, So implantation, and then you usually it's followed by like progesterone (laughs) and those two, you know, buzzwords together Mm -hmm. Um, because sufficient progesterone levels are critical for successful implantation. So, you know, when I work with a lot of women, it's like they're testing, you know, they're using the P sticks or, you know, any of the hormone trackers, not like the apps, but like actual, you know, Mm -hmm. testing your urine and, um, and are getting the the LH surge, you know, so it's like, okay, I'm ovulating. But I always say like, your brain is telling your ovaries to release the egg, but we don't know actually, did you ovulate? And, and do you have high enough progesterone levels to actually support successful implantation? And the only way to really know that is to be testing progesterone levels in that, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 days after a positive LH surge to know one, do you have high enough progesterone levels that actually because progesterone isn't made until the egg is released. Like mm-hmm. once that egg is released, then then we get the notification in the body, like, okay, ovaries now, or it's not even the ovaries, it's that empty egg sac that was mm-hmm. released that that actually starts making the progesterone. So we know you've ovulated because now you have an empty egg sac there. Um, and then 
you know, I'm really like an advocate of, of testing those progesterone levels consistently through the whole implantation window to make sure that not only did we get a rise to mean that yes, you successfully ovulated, but they actually stayed elevated in order to support successful implantation. Yeah. Because if those progesterone levels drop, then it makes it really hard to, to implant successfully because progesterone is like what is nourishing that embryo and allowing it, you know, allowing the uterus to be good and sticky and then allowing that embryo to stay implanted. Yeah. And I think that's really critical because a lot of times we think, well, if I ovulated, well, therefore the -hmm. body's going to just do this, but I think we're finding more and more that that's not always the case. Um, I I love, um, I I don't know if you follow Prove, but Prove's founder story. Yeah, totally. I love Prove. I think it's just an incredible company and just seeing her be so vulnerable to share that, you know, thanks to PDG testing that she developed, uh, she was able to see that that wasn't happening the way that it was supposed to. Uh, and from my understanding, up until recently, it's it's been fairly difficult to monitor that from home. Hey friends, if you're looking to improve egg and sperm quality, then you need to check out Full Wells Fertility Booster. This powerful supplement is supercharged with antioxidants like coenzyme Q10 and N-acetylcysteine to help improve the quality of both egg and sperm. That means you only need to buy one bottle of this product and you and your significant other can both benefit from all of the nutrients it provides. Head over to fullwellfertility.com and use the code, all caps, Blissberry Wellness at checkout to save. Yeah. I mean, I feel like honestly, Prove was the Mm -hmm. first and then, you know, the Mira tracker now, like those two, the two urine, you know, PDG testing, like, I feel like before that, there really wasn't anything that you Mm -hmm. could actually be monitoring at home, right? right? Because it's hard to get your doctor to Mm -hmm. just run a, you know, seven day post ovulation blood progesterone. Like I get so, you know, so many clients that are like, my doctor won't run it. I'm like, Mm -hmm. but why, you know? So anyways, it's so amazing that now women can do this at home, you Mm -hmm. know, really make sure that like, and then have that information that if their progesterone levels aren't staying elevated, well, then there's actually things that we can do. Um, But if we don't know, then we can't take action and change anything, you know, and then women continue to not be able to conceive or continue to have early recurrent miscarriage um, because they don't have the information to know like what might be going on here. Absolutely. So normally when we have this conversation, you know, I feel like a lot of times we talk about implantation because we are one or more days past ovulation. Mm -hmm. Is this the time frame that we should be thinking about the implantation or is this something that needs to be thought about and intentionally focused on beforehand? I feel, I think that there's just great confusion about that. That's a great question. So the other hormone that's important for implantation is estrogen, which is already, you know, that's the main hormone in the follicular phase. So I think that Yes, there's a lot of focus on progesterone and sort of this like post ovulation and what we can do to support, but really like I'm, you know, that we need a genetically first, we need a genetically normal embryo, which means we need to be doing preconception care, like Mm -hmm. 30 or not 30, but three, four or more months ahead of time. Right. Because everything that happens in the environment of the body is influencing the quality and the health of that egg that's eventually going to be released after it's, you know, 90-ish day life cycle (laughs) inside of your body. Um, 
so, so many things that we need to be, you know, really focusing on preconception care and really optimizing the health of the body and the health of the egg so that it's healthy. And then same for the partner and the sperm really focusing on all of the preconception care tips and tools to optimize sperm so that you actually would have a genetically healthy embryo so that, you know, there's step one for positive or successful implantation. And then also thinking ahead, how can I support optimal estrogen production and optimal progesterone, which again, isn't just like, oh, start right now. It's sort of like, it's a process, you know? And when the hormones, it takes diligent, consistent care of the body to bring those hormones into a place in which they're really being secreted optimally and like in the high enough levels that we need to make this entire miracle of making a baby happen. Mm, yeah. And I like how you just kind of brought that back together. It's kind of like taking it back to, you know, even though the progesterone is critical and yeah. be, even though having that healthy egg is critical, there's still this great dance that needs to go on kind of between yeah. everything in the cycle. We can't just like, oh, well, we'll just ignore this, this hormone or over here, but it's really like everything needs to be working together. Exactly. Yeah. And that's just it. Like we, you know, I think that we live in a culture where like everything is really isolated mm -hmm. and especially with fertility and, you know, like conception in my, it's so miraculous how it happens truly and how pregnancy in, you know, ensures and everything works together. Like we can't just sort of like piecemeal it out. It's so conducively, you know, um, systematic working together. So I think that, yeah, that's important to remember. So jumping back for a second, I kind of want to talk about mm -hmm. the implantation window here. Um, I, I think it was great that we started out there because there really is so much confusion on when that occurs. I mean, a lot That's of time true. I feel like it's the expectation that, okay, so I've ovulated. Therefore, if the egg and sperm met, well, of course, maybe I can start taking, you know, a pregnancy test tomorrow. I don't know, maybe right. I'm past <laughs> ovulation or maybe I'm six days past ovulation. Now I'm devastated. Um, mm -hmm. it, let's just talk a little bit about implantation, what that window looks like and what that realistic time frame is like for maybe when we're actually going to be able to test. Yeah. So of course, you know, we just like ovulation, it sort of happens different for every woman, mm -hmm. but I mean, what the research is pretty conclusive around is that it's usually around that seven to 10 days after you get a positive LH surge. So a positive LH surge will, you know, normally means that you're going to, if you caught that LH out, it's like very, very peak. Then in the next eight to 20 hours, you're going to release the egg. And then, you know, then the egg lives for another 12 to 24 ish. Right. So at mm -hmm. some point in there, hopefully there's an egg in the sperm meeting and fertilizing. And then once that egg has been fertilized, it's going to travel down the fallopian tubes to the uterus. And that can take, you know, anywhere from, well, they say seven to 10 days. Cause I think it's usually around like, you know, six to 11, somewhere in there that it's like fertilized traveling down and then actually implanting in the uterus. Um, which is a lot of women will experience, um, actual like cramp, you know, like implantation cramping, which sort of feels like menstrual cramps for women. Um, or the, of course, implantation bleeding, which is like spotting, you know, which women will like feel like, oh, my, my, they'll get bummed. Like you said, my period starting or they're mm -hmm. feeling menstrual cramps. They're like, oh shoot. Like I, I'm getting ready to start my period. A lot of the implantation symptoms feel super similar to mm -hmm. right before your period is about to start. Um, 
So then, it, so once the if and when that embryo does actually successfully implant, HCG, which is a pregnancy hormone, so that's now when it, when HCG levels start to rise. But it usually that also can take, you know, again, it's different for every woman, but that can also take a few days. So I, you know, I'm, I know like a lot of women will get the six day early detection, you know, clear blue and you can test six days sooner, but because every woman's secretion of HCG can be so different that I'm like a big advocate. I always tell my clients this, I'm like, wait until you're literally the day after your, your missed period, which is what the like inserts say, yeah, honestly, it does. but yeah. like, you know, women are, of course, it also says like, but six days sooner you can learn. But when you really look at the insert, um, to get the most reliable, consistent, like valid, you're not going to get a false negative, you know, like if you're pregnant, it's going to show up by one day after your actual missed period. So I, because that will allow, if it did successfully implant, there'll be enough HCG in your urine to be detected in one of the at-home urine tests. Mm, yeah, and it, it's always that struggle because you can buy such sensitive totally. pregnancy tests. <laughs> and it is, it's difficult to not want to test, you know, from like, boom, we're, we're kind of like with this window, let's yep. just test, 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 test. And yep. I even know, uh, seen lots of cases of morning and night testing. So it's oh, like, yeah. there's almost this element of like having to release whatever's going to happen and just mm-hmm. be okay with it. Um, mm-hmm. which is so hard when you're in the midst of this journey. Yeah, totally. I know firsthand, like I, you know, I'm definitely like, guilty of that. Like, uh, I wanted, you know, I will, with my pregnancy, with my son, I tested whatever the long story, but you know, I ovulated late. And so I actually tested quote unquote too early. I was only 12 days post ovulation for my body. That was too early. Like my mm-hmm. HCG levels weren't high enough. And so I got a negative and I was like, bummed, you know, but then my period didn't come. My period didn't come. So finally at 16 days post ovulation, mm-hmm. I did another test and boom, it was positive, you know? So for my body for, you know, 12 days post ovulation, a lot of people say like, oh, it will for sure show up. And it's like, actually it doesn't always for every woman because mm-hmm. some women's production of HCG is just different straight out of the gate. And it doesn't mean, you know, it still resulted in a healthy filter in pregnancy. Um, it's just a difference in chemistry of women, you know? Mm, absolutely. And I appreciate you sharing that because that definitely brings some hope to people who have maybe not necessarily seen that positive yet. Totally. Well, Sarah, thank you for taking the time to just dive into implantation with us. If someone has been listening, they're on the hunt for someone with knowledge like yourself to really guide them. Where could they connect with you? And what, uh, what do you have to offer for women and couples who are trying? Absolutely. So my website has a ton of information and I write a lot of blogs. I have a lot of content on there. So that's sarahjanesandy.com. And I know Hannah, you're going to have all these mm-hmm. links in the show notes. Um, but my website is a great place to start. Um, it talks all about how I work with women and what capacity. And again, just tons and tons of free content on there. I do work with women one-on-one. So I offer one-on-one consults. I do all of my consultations remotely. So I work with clients all over the world. Um, So you can schedule that on my website. And then I also have an online fertility course. So that's called the Fertility Code. It's a 12-week self-paced on-demand fertility program all about, basically I eat, it's 12 modules. It goes through 12 weeks, which is sort of that 
life cycle of the egg. Um, and I go through all of the most important factors for optimizing and increasing fertility. So we talk about gut health and thyroid health and, um, you know, how to, how to know about your hormones. I call it hormones 101 and like how to test for progesterone levels in the implantation window and how to test ovulation, et cetera. And then of course I talk a ton about food cause that's my jam um, and stress and exercise and lifestyle and conscious conception and spirituality and mind body therapies and all sorts of things. So um, that's a really accessible um, program. And that's also will be in the show notes, but that's thefertilitycode.com. Fantastic. Yeah, we will include that in the show notes, make awesome. it easy to find. But yeah, thank you so much again. I really enjoyed just chatting with you about this very, very popular and often misunderstood, uh, misunderstood topic. So thank you. Thanks, Anna. All right, friends. Well, that wraps up today's episode of the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast. Keep an eye out because we'll have another episode coming your way very soon. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and we'll give you a shout out in an upcoming episode.